All right, let's start. All right, snap a do. How's it going? It's going all right. Excellent. How's it going What's with you? Happening? Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, this is a technically a work day. <laughs> technically, mm-hmm. it's a work day for teachers on on Fridays. Some yeah. Fridays, uh, some Fridays we have off. So, but um, to to the school district, we should say you're on lunch. Right. Right. I'm at my. I'm so my, you're not supposed to be working. You're on a break. <laughs> it's a work day, but in between sessions, <laughs> there is a lunch break. Because, uh, you know, it's a reasonable 21st century employment uh, situation. <laughs> right. And uh, so in between sessions, I'm using my lunch break to talk to you people and Marcus. Okay. Instead of eating. So that's <laughs> how committed I am. That's the, the sacrifice that yes. one makes. <laughs> if we hear the growls uh, of your stomach during the show, <laughs> yeah, they'll know why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, welcome to It's Just Called Two Brothers. It is just called It's Just Called Two Brothers. I'm James. I am Marcus. That's what I thought. I'm glad for that. No, you're supposed to say, oh, that's what I know. <laughs> is, that <laughs> from not, a, uh, is that from a thing? Uh, that's a kid thing. I mean, you know, I teach elementary school, school kids. Uh, so, <laughs> so you, yeah. We should, have a, we should have Kid Corner, to, <laughs> the yeah. phrase of the week. Yeah. Well, it, it would be, um, that's what you think. <laughs> and then the, then the response is, that's what I know. Oh, uh, I you see. Know, so, yeah, I I modified it. It's a very Bob's Burgers-like exchange, that one. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of Bob's Burgers, how about the end of BoJack Horseman Season 4? <laughs> Timely, as always. <laughs> <laughs> hey, BoJack Horseman Season 5 is on deck. Who wants to talk about BoJack? All right. Now, we haven't seen 5 yet, so Season 4. <laughs> yeah, but you just finished. So uh, that's what we were waiting for, to... To sort of go through it a little right. bit. A little bit. Exactly. Not exhaustively uh, because that's its own podcast, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure someone's doing that. Fact, probably. Probably yeah. came across a couple at some time. Yeah. Uh, a spoiler alert, people. If you haven't seen seasons one through four, <laughs> or even any Bojack, uh, there's, a, there's a show called Bojack Horseman streaming on Netflix. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to talk about it at this point. So well, some, some, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think we have done any, much uh, BoJack Horseman on on the show. Uh, just uh, slightly, just to say how much I like it. And yeah, yeah, how good it really is. I guess into, didn't delve into uh, much in the way of details no. or spoilers. So that's true. Uh, uh, I I really like this show. Mm-hmm. Um, season four got uh, surprisingly dark. I mean, <laughs> they they really um, what do they do? I I don't know. Explored their freedom in the <laughs> yeah. show. The, the the show writers and things sure I, uh, it's I mean, like car, carte blanche from Netflix <laughs> uh, it would seem so they weren't we weren't following following the even unusual format of uh, of storylines for from the previous ones yeah I think they got a lot a lot deeper shit got real everyone it did yeah go ahead if you want to explain any well I don't want to be too spoilery about it I guess unless there's yeah. something that I don't know that comes up that has to be discussed but in general <laughs> um, I think they just keep moving deeper into the characters um you know personalities and and lives and uh anxieties really <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's hard to watch because they're they're very familiar yeah they don't pull any punches with regard to um sort of 
alcoholism or <laughs> uh let's say um self-loathing yeah know, uh, yeah existential crises mm-hmm. that's really a huge part of of the show's you know I'd say premise that Bojack is going through this massive, not just midlife crisis, but definitely existential crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both personally and professionally. And then, but then they threw in that for for uh, Princess Caroline, his agent, mm-hmm. on again, off again, yes. agent. Um, yeah, it's one for... of the few shows where people are sort of, mm, I, I guess, entering middle age. They're they're probably late thirties, most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but maybe some forties, forty somethings as well. So. Mm-hmm. So that that feels familiar too, mm-hmm. as well as it being set in L.A. It's a very you know inside Hollywood in in many yeah. instances. Yeah, hugely, and and often to uh, hilarious effect. In, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So if you know people who work in the industry, or you work in the industry, or have you know, you'll see these these things come up that remind you of what it's like you know to be <laughs> to be there to be working yeah. on the inside in in a way. Yeah, and there's great freeze frame moments too. They they. Uh, they have a lot of sort of slapstick uh, stuff in the background mm-hmm. that are that can um, certainly serve to lighten the mood. Yeah, <laughs> playing with the idea that they're sort of animal people, uh-huh. but they still have animal traits in a lot of ways. Yeah. What was it? I think maybe at the end of season three, there's a a ram cutting the lawn and he's eating the clippings as it goes or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yep. The, the birds flying and the undersea city, you know, where, yeah. where fish people are just sort yeah. of going around underwater. That's good stuff. With Todd and his uh, continual trying to find himself mm-hmm. and also a, he just comes up with ideas <laughs> and runs with it. Yeah. Uh, for no particular reason other than, hey, that sounds, it's so crazy it just might work. <gasps> Sorry, what did I miss? Courtney's beloved was outlining his plan to curtail gun violence. I'm just saying if people have the right pumped up kicks, maybe they can outrun the bullets. Right. Attitude. Yes. Like his, his idea very... for <laughs> clown dentists. Yeah. And, and dentist clowns. And yes, exactly. I would um, <laughs> I would probably call him bipolar if I didn't think that was psychoanalyzing <laughs> mm-hmm. even, even a cartoon character but uh he certainly exhibits the manic part you know mm-hmm. where every impulse is a path that should be followed <laughs> yeah <laughs> right ridiculous conclusion yes exactly but he's he doesn't seem to have any downside he doesn't seem to have right um the opposite end of the scale mm-hmm. it's only it's like that yeah it's only that and then sometimes neutral mm-hmm but uh, yeah, he's, he's, but he's an eternal optimist, uh, almost eternal. It's a uh, it's a little of what used to be called idiot savant in a way. He he, mm-hmm. he has the crazy ideas and somehow the capacity to follow through on them. Right, mm-hmm. he's competent in carrying out <laughs> these crazy plans, mm-hmm. but then he's also stupid in figuring out that it won't work or there are you know. 10 problems with doing it this way or the thing he's decided on. And it seems baffling when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Not that he's taking a huge risk on anything. But, no, but, but he's that, just lack of understanding the right. consequences. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which again, yeah. you know, is what people go through when they're, they're at the peak, uh, you know, the high side of the bipolar swing. Mm-hmm. Then there's, um, speaking of not understanding consequences, there's Mr. Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who uh, also it kind of succeeds through failure um, mm. constantly. 
right. uh, both in his mind while it's happening. But he's he's a stand-in for those lucky people who are just uh, beautiful and universally appealing. Yeah. <laughs> so he has he has looks and social appeal. So mm-hmm. people just want to be around him. Right. And and therefore he could always fail upward. George George <laughs> W. Bush style. Uh all right, all right. Except for the extra wives for in Mr. <laughs> Peanut Butter's cases. Uh, <laughs> case. Yeah. But uh but everything always turns around for him. Ugh. Why do you say yes to everything? I just get excited by the possibilities. Ooh, look, a CD at a coffee shop? That is crazy. <laughs> Buying it. No. Mm. Drop it. Mm. Drop it. Mm. Good boy. And yeah. uh, you know, like any like any good dog. <laughs> That's right. Uh um I, I again don't want to do any spoiler, but I love Maybe not. the so, not last... all spoilers, but no no but... no the, in this particular case. Mm-hmm. The very, very ending of season four, like yeah. the last few seconds. Uh, you know, I was I was telling you, I was not sure. So and then all of a sudden you're talking about pulling it out at the last second. Yeah. Boom. I was not expecting that. As Bojack was not expecting that. No. Yeah, that came came together r- really nicely. Agreed. So I'm looking forward to season five. Yeah, it starts out really, really well. Mm-hmm. So I've started. They, they do a recap of season four in, in mm-hmm. quick clips and uh, mm. then start right in. All right. Well, that was Bojack talk, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't need to I do think a it clip. Was, <laughs> I just, I think it's also, here's a, here's a minor spoiler. So fast forward 30 or 40 seconds, but um, the dealing with Todd's asexuality and uh, yes. the uh, sensitive treatment of that is really admirable too, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it would have been easy for them to just gloss over it or make fun of it or a lot of other things. Yeah, they could. I, I was expecting at some point that you know, uh, all of a sudden, oh well, in this case, he found the the one, mm. and oh, he's not asexual. <laughs> um, you know, he's uh, he just didn't right didn't have the one yet exactly. But uh, so, which would also be an easy easy out for. Mm-hmm writers uh, yeah and for shows so yeah i admire that them would, that would just for... that would become a trope yes it would. exactly favorite favorite episodes well anything... now that everybody's back from spoiler <laughs> land uh, yeah. anything any segment that involves uh todd and the uh the dentist clowns slash clown dentists oh, that was h- hilarious that, that wore on me as much as the um the, the sort of politics part yeah that one was i I didn't care for a lot just as it started to get too tedious (laughs) they they ended it so they left that one good for them yep (laughs) that that timing worked okay for me but i would say i felt like woodchuck uh what is he woodchuck chuckerson uh maybe yeah (laughs) just exasperated and almost removed from the world itself looking looking in as an audience member Mm -hmm. was like he he didn't come from that world kind of was like what the hell (laughs) right how can this possibly be be happening how can this wackiness exist so i like yeah. any ex- exploration uh inside bojack's head mm-hmm. i think those are great segments that the just from a pure you know animation appreciation standpoint i think those are brilliant mm-hmm. i would say hooray todd maybe is one um stupid piece of shit of course Ugh. Uh, see okay so <sighs> That was like hmm, episode two, maybe. It was really Which early one? on in the season. Uh, stupid piece of shit. No, it's uh, it's mid season. Is it really? Yeah. Okay, that went farther than I ever expected the the series <laughs> to go or the show to go. Uh-huh. Um, and that was that was deep and dark and yeah. extremely unexpected to me. Mm-hmm. That's I think it hit you where the show than turned. Me. I, I, you watched it before I did and said, "Look out!" Mm-hmm. But I and yeah. I wasn't as affected. I, like it's it's powerful, but. 
uh, there was worse to come. Oh, yeah. Well, that prepped me for, <laughs> oh, I for the worst to come in, sure. in, emotionally. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the turning point in the in the series in, in my mind or for my mind mm-hmm. where it just all of a sudden didn't need to rely on getting wacky <laughs> yeah. or silly. You know, it just turned that direction and explored it. While I, I certainly appreciate how they went about it and was impressed yeah. with that direction, I don't think I would want to watch it again mm. <laughs> just for my own because that's not my interest you know? right i'm not uh, heavily into watching dramas or too much or yeah too dark yeah the cries and whispers or yes the, you need to have cetera. some balance to the darkness. Uh, oh, some, some balance. disproportionate balance like it's got to go out the other side a, a lot more yeah yeah a lot more the darkness yeah sure sure mm-hmm. sure that one uh the last wow the i, I ruthie was Fantastic, mm. also brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where Princess Carolyn, um, it's an entirely flashback episode with a descendant of Princess Carolyn, her her granddaughter. Was that it? I believe granddaughter. It was a great. No, I think it was granddaughter. One of those told from the they future fla- of yeah. the present. Right. Exactly. They flash. They they went into the future <laughs> yeah. and flash back to the present. Yeah, it's a flash present for the for the series. So that was yeah, <laughs> that was very interesting. Yeah. And then definitely and the last time. two episodes. Yeah. So the finale, but the one before it too. That, mm-hmm. they, those, those two sort of bookend. Sort of. Agreed. The, the, that whole mom storyline. I say bookend. Yeah. They, yeah, they come well, as a package. Yep, there yep. you go. That's been Bojack Talk. All right. Well, speaking of Bojack Horseman. <clears throat> back in the 90s, <laughs> yeah. Marcus did a not-so-famous comic book. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that didn't strike me before, but I put it on my Twitter profile because it fit. It's so true. Hell affinity. Well, the comic book was called Grey Matter. Mm-hmm. And say, say it again. Uh, not, not to be confused with some person perhaps named Graham Adder. That's true. Grey Matter, one word. There you go. E-Y. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'll be it. And I used to have the whole archive online, but I don't, I, I don't have that anymore. When I switched websites, I don't know, three or four times ago, uh, I took it down. The resolution is not very high anymore. Well, that needs to be rescanned. But still. Someday I'll put it up there. Mm-hmm. But I, that comic glorious, book. Uh, glorious Ultra K, uh, 4K? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but the, the irony is that my comic book series also starred a famous uh, horse headed character. Yeah. Actually, not famous. <laughs> well, <laughs> but a futuristic horse headed sort of character, yeah. Yeah, that, that's immediately what I thought of when, I, mm-hmm. when Bojack Horseman came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, no wonder he likes it. It's got his, his guy in there. Coincidence? Actually, yes. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as you say, back in the nineties, yeah. I was far so. from the first to have a, a anthropomorphic horse-headed character. Mm-hmm. Far from the first, starting to I don't know. It, we we had a very small audience anyway, so don't uh, some don't go relative... searching for horse anthropomorph <laughs> comics because um, there's a lot of porn. That <laughs> lots of furry... at least don't do it at work. <laughs> yeah, not safe for work, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, better that you just search uh, for either Alifinity or Gray Matter. Yeah, gray gray with matter. an E. Might be something. Uh, there might be word. some. I don't know. There's some uh, review or other. Sometimes it comes up on eBay. Mm-hmm. Oh, far out. Yeah, you know you've made it. Yeah. When your stuff is being <laughs> sold on eBay. Yeah. I don't not know by that. you. When your sold stuff is not being sold by you on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was a there was a fairly well known comic book in the nineties that was uh had horse characters. I don't remember now what it was. By written by drawn by a woman, I think. 
Well, if I find it, I'll maybe link it in the show notes and mention it later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very weird. Digging through all, a lot of boxes and art things, I'm coming across um, some stuff from the 90s that I saved. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of sketches and thumbnails and drawings yeah. and things. So. Memories. Yeah. <laughs> and we should mention, uh, you didn't do that alone. You, you and That's our right. cousin were, were co-authors. That's true. Co-creators. Co-creators, yeah. We both mm-hmm. wrote and drew for our own set of characters. And in the beginning, we put them together and drew backgrounds on each other's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then quickly realized that our styles were diverging. And so it didn't, uh, it didn't look, I don't know. Started to look too weird, I think. Well, then uh, you you did it. You put a book together. Uh, well, okay, let's do the premise of the book, <laughs> yeah. which was well, there it's it's a sort of science fiction universe where it's all set on a small planet that doesn't rotate. So there's a light side and a dark side. Mm-hmm. So the light side is too hot and the dark side is too cold. Everybody lives in an area, you know, not too far from the terminator of the planet. So yeah. um, it's you know temperate or maybe a little deserty <laughs> kind of um, depending on you know which way you go several hundred miles say yeah yeah so there's a strip um, uh, a band yeah of habitable space habitable space on, right in, in the center yeah yep that is the premise and then um, the you know two of my characters come into this world from outside you know the in the larger, more developed universe, and everybody is sort of in a like a post-agrarian sort of medieval mm-hmm. setting. And these guys crash landed on it, and they crash land on this planet. So yeah. it's all about their interaction. And uh, my horse-headed character is one of those that uh, uh, fish out of water in a world they never made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, <laughs> situation. There's always a, there's always a trope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would go back and forth, uh, you know, as you turn. Uh, a couple pages of yeah. of your stuff, a couple mm-hmm. pages of his stuff, yeah, and it would go back and forth. And so it it, it didn't always um, it rarely converged. Uh, mm-hmm. Each storyline they were just being told on the as happenings right uh, in different areas of the planet, but near enough each other mm-hmm. um, that you sort of knew what was happening uh, vaguely from one side to the other. Yeah, uh, but then started to converge more as. Um, as the series went on, and then you stopped making the book. <laughs> yeah. We couldn't uh, sustain it anymore. Adam didn't want to do it. Um, and uh, so he, so I did it. I did a couple issues on my own, but then uh, that got too much to do on my own because I had to do all mm-hmm. the business and all the book. Mm-hmm. And it was nowhere near sustaining itself. So um, we were basically <laughs> not making anything and, in a sense, losing because. Um, you know, there were pre-production costs to pay, pay for film and publishing and all that. And there are, you know, publishing minimums. So, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just became too much of a financial drain. And then distribution was tricky as well. Yeah. I wanted to go through 12. It just, in the end, got too discouraging. So, um, ironically, probably right at the point where I should have kept going. There's a point where that could take place if you have some sort of um, financial stability outside of that. But yeah, you know, you got to live. But it, it just had to sort of reassess. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean to <laughs> anthropomize the work itself. 
uh, I had to reassess how I was going to do it. And I, I had been thinking about it in a specific way, like, oh, this is a monthly comic book and I should be doing it monthly, even though, you know, we barely make try monthly. Mm -hmm. But what I could have done was keep working on it, you know, go back to work and then just, you know, put them out as we went. And, mm -hmm. and in a sense, we should have gone back even further than that and reassessed it, you know, as a, the series thing mm -hmm. and just thought about doing a whole book once and then putting it out, which Adam had suggested at one point. It, putting it out uh, as a, as a whole or put it yeah. or, or pre doing episodes and then re releasing them over time. Yeah. Well, I, he and I plotted about seven uh, graphic novels mm -hmm. and all, you know, one basic storyline throughout, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. uh, the chunks um, sort of, started a, a story and resolved within the larger, yeah. you know, storyline. We could have done, instead of the comic books every, you know, month or two, one trade paperback of one novel, right? Mm -hmm. If you like. P setting aside the problems with the word novel associated with you know, <laughs> 20 issues of a comic book or whatever. Certainly. Um, at the time, you know, in that situation, uh, it was, I don't know, I was too wrapped up in trying to follow other creators that I admired and how they did it, um, et cetera. Just, uh, it seemed like it was not going to work unless it did that thing, which isn't true. Yeah. Lots of people did it that way, you know, just released a book at a time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just whenever they happen to be mm -hmm. uh, ready. Mm -hmm. Or the other thing I could have done was just do quarterlies or, you know, some kind of regular thing. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as that you can build an audience if you have a regular thing right sure sure that's the tricky part is um, mm -hmm. if you have enough recognition somehow yeah. or a distribution um, gold mine right. that, uh, that allows for for you to get recognition just whenever sure you need it mm -hmm. which would have yeah, been the be advantage nice. of a trade paperback because it's one story all at once mm -hmm. whereas you pick up some random issue that doesn't resolve in one issue it's uh, it's harder. So people want to get the whole story. Yeah, and we had unless a very, it's already well established. We had a very ambitious concept. Sure. I don't know if that was the most expedient way to go in the beginning, but hey, we were young and you know, impressionable and wild and crazy. <laughs> young and wild and free, in the words of Triumph. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Triumph the. The insult <laughs> dog. Wait, what is he? Triumph the insult, <laughs> insult comic, dog. comic dog. No, Triumph the Canadian band. Ah, okay. As heard here. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, good. Go. An impromptu music share. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's got time for Rick Emmett. Good deal. He's one of those guitar players that I that I admire because he seems to have such a good time while he's doing it. He almost never fails to smile and enjoy his own playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to wrap it up soon. Um, but before I go back to work, although I don't like to call it work, uh, <laughs> it's nice being so close to <laughs> to my schools uh, here in this uh, this area, so I can just zip right over. I think I have seven minutes mm-hmm. from. Uh, from school. Uh, <laughs> yesterday I was talking to, to the class and I happened to mention something about, I don't know, something about the Simpsons. And one, <laughs> one of my uh, fifth graders chimed in, you watch that show? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is not quite the, um, yeah. uh, the, the juggernaut it once, <laughs> once, once, that it well, once was. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, didn't you say I used to? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much anymore, but, uh, <laughs> Seasons one through ten were very nearly comic gold. Kids, let me tell you about a little thing called season five. <laughs> That's how far we've come. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a music chair. Oh, I thought that was the music chair. You didn't. No. You didn't write anything. I know because I just discovered it uh, last night. <laughs> You're going to say I just discovered it moments ago. What? Moments I was ago. Thinking about Triumph. I was listening uh, as, as we did the show. Go. Uh, it is a new album. By a singer named Natalie Prass. Hmm. A singer-songwriter, really. And, uh, wow, is this album good. Her uh, first album was released to raves, and I totally missed it. Hmm. Because, I, I don't know, I don't listen to the NPR music podcast, oh, yes. I guess, mm-hmm. enough. Um, that's a, It was a little off my radar. Uh, which is funny, because she's uh, in a sort of style that hits me all the time on Spotify. But, um, you know, finally they got around to it, and here she is. Uh, she's, I, I, um, I struggle to put her in a box, which, you know, no musician wants to be put in. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, Kate Bush meets Joni Mitchell meets Diana Krall, uh, and mm-hmm. then uh, there's a little R&B in there. It's a, it's a really amazing mix That's of things. And uh, there is, what song am I going to play? Short Court Style is on some prominent playlist. It's probably playing at the coffee shop. There's another one that I like. Uh, One of the ones that I really like is called Hot for the Mountain, and that sounds like this.
Federico. That's a that's a really nice sort of. Uh, she goes between a sort of upbeat R&B flavored, uh, almost jazz thing, to a little pop mixed in, and this thing which is wow, almost prog. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of strange and to to fit it into one of those. It's uh, again a mix. Um, hmm. But uh, but yeah, still lovely for all that. Really, she's got an amazing voice. Well, I I look forward to li- listening to it when I hear our <laughs> our show back yeah. uh, in a few days, um, because yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't get yeah I didn't get a chance to send notice. you a clip to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So and there will soon be new music from Django Django. I got a new track from them there. As always, pretty great. Music from the future. Oh, mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> that Spotify has a, a lot of artists who will release a single, um, sometimes months before the album that it comes from, P- artists will just send it out and say, hey, mm-hmm. we're working on this song and a new album. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll, I will get a song in the release radar and it'll just be a single. You'll, you know, you go view album and then that's all there is. Mm-hmm. So. Just a signal that, hey, something is coming from this band you like. I don't know. I kind of like it. I, I wish bands weren't so tied to the, the sort of album format. You know, 10 or 12 songs, still trying to fill up 75 minutes mm-hmm. of, a, of a CD worth of things. Because yeah. hardly any of them really have excellent A material for 75 minutes. I agree. But Moving Pictures was like that for Rush, Right. They just happen to knock out a bunch of terrific songs all at once in the yeah. studio. And other albums have been, you know, sort of less successful all the way through. Some some songs are just good. Some are okay. You know, plenty are great, but not necessarily the whole thing. And so it, it's it seems like it's just almost luck. Well, yeah. And there's I mean, an element I mean, of luck, sure, sure, in it. Mm-hmm. You just happen to put this together at the right time, you know, mm-hmm. with the right audience. Yeah, and it, you, and it find hits. Your, you find your muse <laughs> yeah. that keeps on going. Right, and people connect with it. Yeah. So both of those things have to come together. Sure. And um, that's certainly one of those. Highway to Hell and Back in Black, both together, uh, are still resonant today. I don't think they ever matched those. ACDC, I mean. Not Rush. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Prince certainly had his amazing things and his merely okay things. Like, you can see brilliance in there, but... It's it's not as consistently good as Purple Rain or 1999 or mm. Sign of the Times even. Sign of the Times is full of great stuff, but it's also got a lot of other, you know, good, <laughs> not necessarily classic stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of classic stuff, I mean, <laughs> Mozart, you know, he wrote mm. 40 symphonies. Right. Uh, but, you know, 30 of them are pretty much crap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like 10, 10 gold and then... 30, eh, yeah. you know, you can take it or leave it. Right. <laughs> may, may, uh, who, who was, the, who was the goddess of music, Persephone? What was the, uh, no. May her lightning bolt uh, yeah. not strike me at this moment. I don't think it's Persephone. It's uh, got to be Persephone, because I spoke it. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> it just had a the underworld. Yeah, yeah. She's, well, see. She's Demeter's daughter, you make your, isn't she? You make your uh, deal with the devil to get your <laughs> fame. See, it, I was right. I had a, I had a, I had a thing there. <laughs> well, Apollo. Apollo has the the lock on music, right? Well, he's got the liar. Yeah, small liar, small liar. <laughs> yes. Um, and the nine, the, yeah, the nine muses were trained by Apollo to sing and teach and learn. They sang songs across Greece. G R E A S E. 
Cora. <laughs> oh, Palm. Cora, <laughs> you never let me down. <laughs> okay, let's wrap up the show. <laughs> well, speaking of not letting us down, if you want to send us an email, uh, you can do that at uh, bros at itsjustcalledtwobrothers.com. You can also tweet at us, although, you know, we only tend to post uh, the new show at uh, IJC2B. Mm-hmm. And you blog every day at marcusharwell.com. That's the, that's the site. <laughs>